Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Are you ready? You got your Bibles? This may be the easiest place, easiest passage I'm ever going to ask you to find. Page 1. Genesis 1.1. And today we're going to talk about being faithful in creation. Faithful in creation. And I'm just going to read the the whole passage to you and maybe make a few comments on the way. It's a little long, but it's really good. It's really good. So let's go back to the beginning. Very good place to begin. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And and it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was, say it with me, good. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was, say it with me, good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was... Uh-huh. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds. That's a very important distinction that every, every species was created by God. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. 
All right, day six is coming. This is a good one. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had done, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creation that he had done. We thank the Lord for His Word this morning. It is very good, isn't it? Well, this ancient text recorded thousands of years ago fully addresses the very biggest issues of our day today. Environmental responsibility, sexual identity, family, work, rest, And sanctity of life. It's all in there. And we're going to touch on a number of those things. I'm not really going to make a case or an apologetic for creation versus, you know, a kind of a self-evolving situation. And I'm going to warn you right now, some of the things that Genesis 1 leads us to are a bit challenging for us. And so I want you to hear in the grace and the spirit and the kindness of God. Because there's no question that you and I live in a culture that is confused and deceived and directly opposes much of what the Bible records in this opening chapter. Some of it's honestly absurd. Just this week, an incoming Supreme Court justice, selected because she's a woman, said only a biologist can tell you what a woman is. Come on, let's be honest, that's absurd. I do have a picture here for you just to help you through this one. Right? Like, honestly, honestly. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. Everything that God created and called good has always been manipulated, mocked, and exploited and perverted by our enemy, the devil. And so, listen, this is an important distinction. I want want you to hear this very clearly. The people around you, anyone around you who is caught up in Satan's deception, that person is not your enemy. They are not your enemy. They need the truth 
and the love of God and the kindness of God and the kindness of God's people to lead them to repentance. We love people, all people, but we hate the devil's work in their lives that leads to you know, deception and destruction. But the struggle is real. For example, if you're a student in any public school today, you're told your gender doesn't matter. In fact, if you're what we would say normative, you're somehow defective. That's the message you're receiving. You're told that anything goes for anyone at any time. And it sounds, and on the surface of it, sounds very loving and very affirming. But you know very well that every friend embracing, let's say, a gender identity or sexuality other than what God has given to them, they are in personal turmoil. God says you're created in His image, male, female, distinct and unique, and yet both sharing the very image of God. What God has made is good. Culture and media are telling you that God has made mistakes, but He doesn't make mistakes. What about babies? God says we should form families, that a man ought to marry a woman and they should have children if at all possible. Yet this week I read about California Assembly Bill 2223 that if passed would decriminalize the killing of newborns. I'm, I'm not kidding you, friends. I read it on the government website. What about climate change and environmental concerns? Satan has convinced the culture to worship the planet. It, I believe it will be Climate concerns, I believe, will be the tool to unify the world under a single global government. But what does God say? He says we're to subdue and to rule over the earth while also caring for it. Chapter 2, verse 15. Environmental responsibility and faith go hand in hand. But the planet is here for our benefit, not the other way around. What about the origin of all things, including human life? You're told that you're nothing but an impossibly random, meaningless accident of cosmic material that somehow created itself. Right? That's not true. And adding billions of years does not make the impossible possible. Instead, God says you are the result of meticulous, intentionally, fearfully wonderful, purposeful design. You are not an accident. You are the precious creation of God. You are made in His image. You are an eternal being. The world is confused. Actually, the world is deceived by Satan. And that's an important distinction. Again, you know, for example, if your child came home from school and said, two plus two is five, right? Would you get mad at your child? Would you be angry with the child? You'd be saying, who told you that? Oh, the teacher said, that's how it is now, Right? You might just go take it up with the teacher and just say, I'm sorry, you can't just make up a new truth. Right? You would take it up with the teacher who deceived them. But again, we love the deceived, but we hate the deceiver. So in light of a culture that is deceived, how will we be faithful in creation? How can we be faithful in creation? How can you help your kids and your grandkids when they're constantly bombarded by deception, bombarded with things that are contrary to God's Word? How can you be there for that friend who has embraced a sexual identity or a, or a sexual behavior other than what God has created? Can you be there for them? 
So I want to offer you a few reminders about this out of Genesis 1, how we would be faithful in creation. The first thing I want to say is this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I made this word up. I think I couldn't think of a shorter or better word for it. So if you've got something better, let me know. We promote the purposefulness of creation. That's not a word, is it? Is it? Okay. We promote the purposefulness of creation. You see how smart I am? I know big words. So how many of us, how many of us own or drive a car? Put your hand up if you own or drive a car. Okay. So was your car produced by a big explosion in a factory? Like something went off and all this parts scattered and suddenly all the parts came back and came in meticulous order. No, it, it was designed, wasn't it? And then it was built in pieces and then it was carefully assembled using other tools that had been carefully designed and assembled and provided. And then your vehicle was tested and then it was delivered by another vehicle that a train or a truck or some way it got to you. And does your vehicle serve a purpose? It does, doesn't it? You must use it for something. You don't walk into the garage and say, I wonder what this is for. Right? I know what mine is for. Mine's for going fast around corners. That's it. That's all my car's been created for. And it does it really well. Right? It transports you to school or to work, to visit your parents, go to church. It has a purpose. Everything created has a purpose. And just as your car didn't come together accidentally, it's obvious that the universe and this world and you were created purposefully by a creator. Verse 2 says this, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Another, another translation of that, the Spirit was brooding. Right, Everything was made, and it has a purpose, and the purpose is to worship the Creator. And I will say this comment, this does raise the question of the age of the earth. Okay, was the earth created from nothing in six literal days, or was it formed out of elements that God had made long before? I'll tell you my take after looking at things, and there's incredibly good research and, and websites like Answers in Genesis and, and other great creation resources. Here's my take. Just as Genesis 1 records God creating adult humans and a fully functioning ecology, right? I believe he created a mature universe. That's my, that's my personal conviction at this point in my life. So I have no reason to doubt God's word. And so that makes me a literal six-day creationist. However, neither you nor I were there when it happened. And we don't know precisely how God formed all things. And so, you know, this is not um, something I'm going to spill blood over. Uh, But there's lots we don't know. For example, we don't know whether the speed of light has been consistent through the ages. We don't know. There's evidence that the speed of light has not been constant. Uh, The main thing that holds me to a young creation is that the fossil record shows evidence of violence and death. And violence and death are not possible prior to sin entering the world. And so if you could explain that to me, I might be a little bit more open to a longer age. 
There are some brilliant explanations for a young earth, and I won't get into it, but regardless, what we do know is the world did not self-create. God made it. God created all things. And yes, everything God created has order and structure, and it reflects the character of God. The seasons, day and night, right? The unity and balance of the solar system, all, you know, how our body, bodies all function basically the same, right? We're all unique, but your nervous system and my nervous system are basically the same. Your cardiovascular system and mine are basically the same. You know, it, 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 that's why medicine works, why a pharmaceutical company can develop something like Advil, and we know it's going to work for you and you and you and you, occasionally not you or you, but the rest of us it's going to work for because our bodies function the same. That's That divine design reflects God's nature of character and order out of chaos. God's creation is life-affirming. He brought to existence light and the sun and the moon and the plants and the animals and human beings. The ocean respects the boundaries of the shore. The moon remains in orbit to govern the tides. A farmer can grow your food because of seasons. You don't worry about floating off into space because gravity is doing its job every day. God's creation makes life possible. But what happens when the schemes of the enemy displace God's design? There's chaos and there's confusion. I'm going to give you a contemporary example. Look at women's collegiate sports right now. If I had a daughter who was playing college sports, I'd be, I'd be having a hard time. Right? Is it order or is it chaos right now? It's chaos. Right? Look again at verses 27 and 28. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. You cannot tell me that the rejection of God's design in this particular example that I've given you is good for women. It's harmful. It's harmful. Or to use another example, and friends, I want you to hear my heart on this. I'm speaking as carefully as I can. There's no way for the sexual union of two women or two men to naturally fulfill what God commanded to populate the earth. And I'm not denying the reality of some people's same-sex attraction. And if that's your reality, if that's something you live with, you're going to need some help bringing that under the Lordship of Christ in your life. So that you can honor him even with your body. Just know we can't affirm that which God opposes. And that which opposes his creation. Is that fair? Another way that we would remain faithful in creation is that we worship the creator, not the creation. We worship the creator, not the creation. It's really simple. In the beginning, God created Now, while the creation is declared as good, and we read that over and over, at no point are we led to believe that creation is our salvation. Believe it or not, there are some, I would say, progressive churches that are more passionate about saving the planet than about saving people's souls. And it speaks to the global, I would call it a religion, the global religion of climate preservation. Look, I accept the reality of a moderately changing climate. I think we can see that. But I don't buy the alarmism of climate preachers and climate evangelists, right? Every 10 years or so, there's another apocalyptic prediction and and it never materializes, but it's always used for political leverage to take your money and take your freedom. God warned us this would happen. Romans chapter one unpacks what happens when people reject God 
who God who has revealed his very nature. Romans 1 says that his divine attributes can clearly be seen in what has been made. And, and what happens when they reject God and worship gods of their own making. Look, for example, if you've got your Bible, you can flip to, to Romans, but I'll read it. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and then 24 and 25. Romans 1, 18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Verse 25, this is key. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the created things rather than creator, the creator who is forever praised. Amen. The lie in the garden, the, 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 the serpent, the devil came to Eve and says, you can be like God. You will be like God. That's the lie. We're created in the image of God, but we're not gods. And so we exchange. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and, and, and worshiped things. God who is forever praised, it says. See, God's already worshiped. All of heaven is worshiping him right now. We just get to, to join in. So someone's decision to reject God and, and to worship creation instead doesn't somehow leave God all by himself, like, oh no, what am I going to do? No, when we lift our voices to God in praise, as we've already done this morning, we're joining all of heaven's creatures, all of heaven's beings, and, and plus even all of creation in worship. And so, yes, do your part if you can. I recycle. I try not to waste water. Although my family might say... Um, run the tap a little too long, but I, I try to be careful, right? I keep the air and the water clean. I pick up trash. I thank God for this planet and I enjoy it. I want to leave it as pristine for the next generation as I can. But listen, the planet will not save my soul. The planet will not save my soul. And so I don't worship it. It's not worthy of my worship. There is a lot I want to say this morning about remaining faithful in creation. But I'm going to finish with this last point. We're faithful in creation when we applaud the Holy Spirit's ongoing creativity. We're faithful in creation when we applaud the Holy Spirit's ongoing creativity. You heard Crystal this morning um, sharing about children's ministry. And Crystal and I were talking about it this this past week. And she pointed something out to me that, you know, the one of the ways we know the Creator is at work in the church and that the Holy Spirit is, is present, you know, brooding, hovering over the, the waters, is that new life is birthed and creativity is being birthed. And, and this church has a remarkable history of creativity uh, from epic VBS sets. Some of you have been around with vacation Bible school rooms and so on that were just epic to, you know, choir productions to those of you who participate in Journey to Bethlehem every year. You know, it's it's fantastic. It's an amazing production. That's inspired by the Lord. And lately we're seeing a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit-inspired creativity. Staff are writing new curriculums, new songs, new programs, coming up with new ministries. It's really an exciting time. And I would say, I, I, I would love for you to encourage these creative ventures and these creative people that God has blessed us with because that's an indication of the Holy Spirit at work. God is a creative God and He inspires creativity. Where the Holy Spirit is welcomed, there will be creativity, I promise you. And it's proven throughout history. 
It's proven throughout history. If you look back at the great works of music and the great works of art and the great works of architecture, who preserved that? God's people. God's people. It's always God's intent and design that greater creativity comes. What, look, what happens when the devil's at work? Just, just watch the news this week in Ukraine. What happens when the devil's at work? Destruction, death, disease, horrible things, right? And I believe God will do His creative work in your own life if you will invite Him to do so. So we're going to have to leave it here for today. But I want you to know that God didn't just start the world like a spinning top and then abdicate and stand afar away. Uh, He is intimately involved. Colossians 3.17 says that all things are held together by Jesus. Everything is sustained by Jesus. Colossians 3.17 Nearly every book of the Bible speaks of God as creator, affirms him as creator. So you cannot say you follow Jesus and then deny that, you know, all things were made um, by him. So I'll leave it at that. If there's anything we've talked about this morning that's hard for you, that kind of stirs something up and you say, yeah, but what about this? What about my friend going through that? Listen, I want you to hear loud and clear. We love every person. What we hate is the deceiver who has caused chaos and destruction in their lives. If we're going to remain faithful in creation, we promote the purposefulness of creation, we worship the Creator, not the creation, and we applaud the Holy Spirit's ongoing creativity. Is that helpful? Yeah. Let's, Let's pause to pray. God, we thank You for Your Word this morning. You're so good to us. God, You've made an amazing place for our enjoyment. Lord, I, I love your sequoia trees. That was brilliant. Lord, I, I, I love the grass in the field that is green and beautiful underfoot. I love the blossoms and the flowers. Lord, I love the crashing ocean waves. I love the snow on the peaks. And most of all, Lord, I love the pinnacle and the ultimate of your creation, and that's people. God, I pray that you would give us a heart to, to enjoy your creation and to love people, and Lord, to make your truth known to each and every one so that we're not living under a lie, but we're living under the truth of a God who loves us and made us in his image so that we could worship you and know you. I thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, I pray that even this week you would stir fresh creativity and fresh work in our lives, in our homes, our families, our workplaces, our schools, and our church. We thank you for your great love. In your name we pray. Amen. For listening, know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.